Episode three of Next in Q. Joining me today, I have the OG of training superheroes, Cassie Labori. I'm so excited. Thank you. Welcome, Cassie. How are you? I am great, Rob. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure for sure. Uh, I just called you the OG of training superheroes and um, the reason that I mentioned that is actually how I came to know who you were. I stumbled across a picture of Viv on LinkedIn, and that led me to want to know more about this person. <laughs> so uh, tell us tell us about Viv and uh, all of that. Well, it was um it was the the fall of twenty nineteen. It's so funny. I'm like, it was the before times. That's what's important before. to know. <laughs> and I was reading an article. Oddly, it was about nutrition, but it was going through the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell and uh, like nutrition. And we are heroes as we learn to eat better. <laughs> and I'm, I'm reading it, you know, and I'm like, whatever. And as I'm reading it, you know, I've been doing virtual training and teaching people how to be virtual trainers for the last two decades. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, Virtual trainers are heroes, obviously. So <laughs> I uh, I decided to tell the story of the virtual trainer, like the hero's journey. Because you know, becoming a virtual trainer is a hero's journey. And so Virtual Viv was born out of that. And I gave that talk at ATD Technology in 2020, just weeks before uh, you know the world changed. And uh, she ultimately just became the icon for me through those times uh, in in very quickly getting out. Uh, tips, tricks, leading practices, you know, things to do better. And um, she just kind of became my my little, my, my superhero for myself and my icon. And and then I, it just occurred to me too, you know, she does look like me and well, <laughs> maybe I'm the original virtual training hero, <laughs> you know, so yeah. yes. Yeah, I loved uh, the tips that I was seeing from you on LinkedIn and having been uh, a virtual trainer myself. And I, I thought that I had been doing it a really long time. And then I looked at your profile and I was like, oh, I <laughs> I am an amateur. Uh, so when did you get into virtual training? Well, first things first, you have been doing this a long time. Come on. <laughs> well, not as long as you. Um, it was the late 90s. I was a Microsoft trainer traveling down the 101 in San Francisco. I used to live in the Bay Area of California. And uh, there was a big um, ad for one of the new, the hot new software companies, new-ish. And uh, it was featuring RuPaul. And uh, RuPaul was in uh, blue and green with a boa saying, we've got to start meeting like this. And I thought, what's that company? I want to meet like that. And uh, it was WebEx, and WebEx happened to be hiring for product trainers in the late 90s, and that's where I started officially my career. I was a Microsoft trainer, and I, I dabbled in, you know, with some clients, let's do this thing called online training, and it was a disaster. And, and then, but after I did that and survived it, I thought, oh, I can work for WebEx, that's cool, I know how to do it. Uh, but WebEx is where I started my career, and, you know, things went on from there, so. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, uh, I mean, again, when I think about how long I've been in the virtual training world, it's uh, it seems like a really short time when I think about that. Uh, but it has become so much more relevant within the last, let's say, 18 months, give or take, um, as you kind of referenced, right, the before times, we're now in the after times. And a lot of people have had to embrace virtual instruction in a way that maybe they weren't hesitant before. And so now that you 
own your own company, a consulting company, you teach people how to be effective virtual trainers. What changed for you? I mean, how has the last 18 months been for you, aside from the fact that we're all living through these very different times, business-wise, what changed? Well, like you said, so I've been running my own business for four years. So it was before the before times. Uh, (laughs) It was during the before times. And uh, what happened during that time was everybody finally got it. What they were sort of, what they didn't want to deal with before um, because it was going to be too hard or it wasn't working or, you know, it's, it's, it's a big undertaking as, as you know, and, and, you know, difficult for people to wrap their heads around the, about it actually being effective. You know, like most of my time in in the before times was spent around convincing people that it will be okay it will work too <laughs> and i'm sitting on the other side of it going if only they knew you know we're talking about work life balance and uh just in time learning and being applicable immediately boy that's that's where virtual training really excels um and i was on the other side of it going come on it'll be okay but what happened in march of 2020 is that people had no choice and so what became a, we have no choice, I guess we'll just do this. Initially, I'm helping people just do this. And right. it was um, a level of chaos. Um, but, you know, it didn't take long for people to go, whoa, whoa, I've been missing out. You know, I would say by like August, the clients that I was working with uh, and, and even new ones that were coming to work with me were going, okay, we get it works now. We're sorry. We want to be good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. so. It was a really pretty quick, you know, okay, let's do this. It's not going away. And, you know, even now, you know, now that we're 18 plus months out from it, people are like, okay, we're going to go back in person, but, you know, this is never going to go away. This is always going to be a part of it. I was missing out on opportunities to expand my reach. Uh, so so they really do want to get better at it. And it's exciting because I've been living in that place for a long time. It's exciting. And it's also like, whoa, people are listening now. That's cool. What do I do with that? You know, (laughs) all of a sudden you've got this really big podium that maybe you didn't have before and people are definitely listening. So that is exciting. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to touch on some things that you talked about there, but I think it's important for our listeners, which uh, there are tens of that maybe are not as involved in the training world, but hear Mm -hmm. a lot of different terms. So I wanna just uh, have you kind of help us uh, clarify some things. So let's talk about what's the difference between what you do and what people hear a lot of, and a lot of people have um, maybe unrealistic expectations or a bad taste in their mouth, the term e-learning. What's the Mm -hmm. difference between those two? Well, e-learning is 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 bigger and also a word that keeps changing. I mean, if we have any problem in L&D, it is with words <laughs> so, and, and titles and what should we call this, you know? Uh, so, so virtual instructor-led training is best compared to instructor-led training. And I know that's your favorite word personally, but a live person leading a live group of people through a learning moment. And in-person training has a person doing that usually, or sometimes more than one. We are live together on the calendar, working through things together. And when you take that online, you're live online. So like when I worked at Dale Carnegie, we were very clear about saying live online so that you knew you had access to a live person to work through these things. And so I I think that the word e-learning, which is kind of changing, you know, and like the e-learning guild is no longer the e-learning guild. They are the learning guild, right? Yeah. So I think that that's bigger. That's like learning. And then you have different kinds of learning. And I think e-learning in the past has sort of implied a computer. And so, of course, people would be confused about it uh, because virtual training, virtual live virtual training, how about that, uh, is with a live person using your internet connection and using some form of audio. I mean, essentially what you and I are doing today could, you know, it's just you and me and we're on an interview for a podcast, but the same type of technology then is used to lead a live class virtually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is confusing. I mean, gosh, you know, it I have is. a funny story about that from when my kids were little. I have one kid and then my friend's kid. 
um, he, he got asked, what does your mom do? You know, it's like, what does mom and dad do for a living day? You know, and uh, my friend's office used to be in the basement of her home. And so um, this is this is a funny story. It's cute. I hope it's OK. <laughs> but she yes. said, her son said, um, mommy works at night in the basement online. <laughs> oh, no. Draw your own conclusions. That's so funny. I love that. But we've been having a hard time a long time. And I've 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 begged ATD training mag and like you guys just coined the word. What are we using? What are we calling it? But you know, one thing you do know is we're not calling it webinar. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of confusion when you are not in that world, even the idea of instructional design, right? Which is a totally separate thing. Um there's just a lot of confusion for people. So uh, thank you for clarifying that, uh, even if we don't have the right words, uh, you know. Yeah, because it's, it's the instructional design side. What's funny on that note is that when I'm working with clients, they will first hire me to teach their trainers to teach online, live online. Mm -hmm. Let's say that live online. And then what they do, what they realize very quickly is they go, oh, we should pay attention to how we put this together our strategy, um, the things we're using to deliver besides the the Zoom or the WebEx or the Teams. And I'm like, oh, you're talking about instructional design. And they're like, oh, I guess so. <laughs> you know? So to your point, you know, that's the that's that's the bones, that's the why, you know, the facilitate. I like to look at it because I have an acting background. Uh, it's the writer versus the actor. You yeah. know, and let's let's importantly not forget the producers and the directors and all the people that do all the rest of the stuff so that the movie actually gets watched. Um, but there's the the writer and the actor, and that may or may not be the same person, right? Right, right. And then the producer. So, um, you know, you've got a couple of books out, and your most recent one is about the producer role when it comes to uh, however we want to call it, right? Virtual instructor-led um, live training that's facilitated over a computer, whatever phrases you want to use. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about that. What is a producer and wh why do you think anyone needs a producer? Well, we've all been to that, let's say either webinar for you know, information or we've been to that online training in Teams and you have this poor facilitator trying to convey content, but they don't they don't know where they put the poll, <laughs> you know, and they know they want to run it or they thought they should do small groups, but they hold on everyone while I figure out where to create them. And, you know, it's like two, it's like a separate side of your brain, actually. Um, you know, and if you compare this to in person, it'd be like, hold on while I build the tables and get the chairs. I don't remember why you're sitting at them or what I'm going to do, because I now just became an architect and an interior designer for offices, you know. So the short answer is that the producer is going to take care of technology and logistics while you have facilitator, trainer or presenter focused on content and most importantly, connection to the participants. I think that our poor facilitators, trainers, presenters, they lose sight of why they are doing what they're doing because they're trying to share their screen or, you know, right. look at the chat. And they should do those things. They got to learn those things. It's part of growing into the skills. Um, but I think we need help, you know, just as I didn't build the conference room, <laughs> you know, right. I, I just showed up and it looks pretty good, you know, <laughs> I'm going to make mm -hmm. it. I'm going to make it work, but it's really hard to to separate those two things. So the role of the producer takes care of that side of things. But I do want to emphasize that it does not mean that I think that the facilitator, trainer or presenter gets to not think of it or not use it. I think it's a partnership and we do it together. Sure. And I think, too, the more complex of a mm -hmm. an event that you have, the more important that becomes. I know yeah. that, um, you know, particularly when you're working with um, really long training that may involve a lot of breakouts and facilitated smaller groups, and maybe there's a lot of content yes. that has to be brought into play at different times. It's so much easier to have someone to 
while I'm doing this, right, will you set up the breakout rooms? Because it's not automatic. Like, it doesn't just happen with magic. Yeah. Someone has and to it's do more it. Than like, I know, as much as the technology will say it is magic, just press a button. It's more about, like, like it, it, it is easier. So that, that's, like, that's, like, a sort of entry point. But here's another thing. When I've been hired to be a facilitator, I actually have a responsibility to help people change behavior to do a job differently. And that's a big responsibility that I actually take very seriously. And I want to be able to connect to people, um, hear what challenges they have, and be able to process those and, and help provide strategy and provide practice and skill building opportunities. I mean, all this stuff is very, very important. And I need to be really listening and paying attention. And if I'm trying to remember how to set up a breakout or a poll, I'm probably not really paying attention to your needs, your emotional needs, uh, you know, where you are on the on the learning journey, you know, those right. those things. So it's like we're we're sacrificing effectiveness by not paying attention to the realities of what the technology deserves. Um, we're we're putting trainers and presenters in a place of just being talking heads, and then we're complaining that it's not working. Yeah, yeah. and that is absolutely, I think, something that uh, there's a couple of pieces that I think companies, especially depending on the size, struggle with. And the first is, do we have effective training, and do we have effective trainers? Like, do they know? what their role is and how to best facilitate learning. Yeah. And then you throw in this technology piece if they're going to do it virtually. And do they have the skills or the help to know how to utilize that platform and maybe translate some of the things that maybe were effective in a brick and mortar environment and and accomplish that goal in an environment where we're all separated and we're just looking at each other on video. Yeah. When I mean, we used to just blame the virtual environment for poor facilitation skills. Yeah. And uh, nowadays, what's happened is the participants are completely unwilling to accept poor facilitation. And guess what? They didn't travel there that day. They're not about to get lunch in an hour. I'm just going to log off because I can and I have work to do, and this isn't working. <laughs> so right. virtual is making, it's like the great, you know, uh, what is it, what's the word? Like we, we, we are being held highly accountable for those facilitation skills and the technology has to be there too and you have to learn that as well. So it's almost like a double for so many people. And I see it all the time. Rob, I see all the time people in, in the before times would hire me because they thought it was teach them Zoom. And uh, I'm like, OK, we can start with like how you use Zoom to do that. But I'm going to focus on how they ask questions. I'm going to focus on how they present the, the concept and how they coach people through learning to apply that concept. And they're like, OK, great, great. They already do that. <laughs> you know, they get in there and like, no, they don't. They don't actually do that at all. And so it doesn't matter that they don't know how to use Zoom. You know? Right. So, we would learn the technology and then we would get to the part of, well, what about all this stuff? Let's work on the facilitation. And what people would do, they would be like, oh, wow, I'm going to be so much better in person now that I focused on that. And I'm like, that's because you're focusing on facilitation skills that apply online or in person. Right. That reminds me of one of your superhero tips, the virtual trainers mantra. Uh, so can you tell us about that? Because I love it. It's it's I, I call it the virtual trainer's mantra. It's actually just like my mantra. I need to up, apply it to myself, you know, and come on, I'm a I'm a trainer. We all go into training because we love talking. Right. I always say <laughs> I have a degree in talking. <laughs> I think so. I think that's true. <laughs> I actually have a degree in public speaking, so I literally do. But it's like <laughs> um, the virtual trainer's mantra is what did I just say that you could have said? Or what did I do that you could have done? You have to honestly ask yourself those two questions after you've put together your presentation, your training. Uh, you know, I think instructional designers can use it too. Like you go through and you put it there and you go, oh, look, look at that part where I did all the work. And then I wondered why they weren't paying attention or doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Can I, can I let them do the work? You know, I mean, where this plays out for me quite a bit 
if it's of interest, you want me to give you an exact example that yes. every day, every day. How often is it that you might say, okay, like in my in my virtual trainer training, I have a certificate program. One of the things we need to learn is how to look great on webcam. So I just give, I, I could just, here's what most trainers will do, right? Here's a list of five ways or 10 ways or whatever. You can look great on webcam. Let me begin to read them to you now. Please raise your hand if you have any questions while I'm going through them. And everyone's just gone, right? They're like screenshot out. I'll do these things later. So what I will do instead, what did I just say that you could have said? I'll set it up. Hey guys, we all need to look great on webcam. Agreed? Agreed. How? How? What are some things that you could do right now? How would you feel if I gave you five things you could do right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, I could use those. Right, five simple things. Here they are. I just reveal the five. I mute myself. I take a drink of water. I'm like, Rita, when you're done, just raise your hand or click on whatever. Click on the smiley face. I'll be quiet while you do it. And then I'm quiet, which feels like a year. But they read so fast. And then my favorite joke, you guys always read faster than I can read to you. So let's discuss. And my favorite tool, I love to use the annotation tools on my shared screen. And I have people type their name next to the five, like pick one that you want to talk about, Rob. Which one are you mad at? Or which one does it resonate with you? Who's got a great story on someone who didn't do this one? And then we go through a whole conversation and questions and emotional outbursts, whatever. And the next thing you know, we've had this really informed, helpful, they had all kinds of questions, conversation. And now I'm like, y'all have five things you can go do right away and no more excuses. And they do it. And it's really wonderful because everyone's like, how do you know if they're listening? And I'm like, they are, my problem now is to manage how long we talk. Yeah. It's a great problem to have. I think for people who are new in training, and I know that this definitely applied to me when I was first learning to become a facilitator, is using the people that you are facilitating learning, like really using them to drive conversation and, and to understand that they have knowledge, they have context, and they'll put things together if you just let them. Just let them. <laughs> just let them. Ask questions. And not not like this, like, welcome to stress management. How many of you have ever been stressed? Like, don't ask those questions. Like, literally, I could tell you the answer to that question right now is everyone, okay? Right. <laughs> I'm not even teaching that, and I'll tell you the answer. And another question I lean away from is, um, do you have any questions? Because the answer to that one is no right now. So it's like really being thoughtful and letting people find ways to share. And I know that a lot of people will tell me, but they don't know how to use the tool. Okay, we'll teach them. Most of them do nowadays. It's a less of an excuse now mm -hmm. than it was in the before times. But, yeah. you know, I get it. They may not know, you know, well, my people can't unmute. Okay, well, they need to. If this is a class where people are supposed to learn stuff and do stuff, they probably need to talk. There's too many people here. You probably have too many people here. You're right lessen the people and get them microphones at work it's just like that's all about giving them the tools that they need well they don't have it we'll get it <laughs> right i mean i get it sometimes we don't have stuff but that doesn't mean we should always live within that they'll never have what they need because then they'll never do what they need to do yeah something else that you mentioned that was uh, definitely a lesson for me in in my journey of learning how to facilitate was just creating that silence and letting people process and think or read whatever the case may be. So um, tell me a little bit more about that and why you think that's important. I love that so much because I've appreciated it when people have let me do it. People need a second to think. They probably need longer than a second. Yeah. They then, when you're online, need to figure out if you've asked a question or you're requiring some kind of response, not only do they need to hear what you've said technically, which means you need to sound perfect, um, they need to manage that cognitively, right? They need to think about it. And then they have to figure out what their response would be. And then they have to find out how to respond. Is it a chat? Is it raise hand? And then I unmute. Am I drawing on the board this time? What do they want me to do? So there's a lot of things going on that people need to be guided through. They need to be given time and then guided through very clearly 
um, the opportunity to think and then how to respond. And you seem to give people time to do it. It's like, I know that we think we're on a radio show. And on one hand, if you're doing a large presentation to thousands of people, you do need to keep it moving. But when sure. you're doing a skills-based training, people need time to process. Mm -hmm. And so you have to mute yourself. Mute is your favorite friend and water and coffee or whatever. Right. Take a drink. You know, it's okay. <laughs> we're real people. And it forces you to stop talking so that people can think. I always ask people, too, um, when I'm teaching them, I'll say, listen, I'm not going to talk for a few moments so you can think through this next moment. And when you're done, you know, raise your hand or let's take a minute. You know, like so I, sometimes I put parameters around it. But in almost every case, I'll say I'm about to be quiet for a bit. And then I'll come back and I'm like, OK, whew, what's happening, everybody? And are you OK that I didn't talk? And they're like, um, actually, it was a really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, think they, no offense. they don't say that. They don't say that. They do. They say no offense. It's not you, but I appreciate the opportunity to think. And I'm like, right. I understand. Right. I appreciate the opportunity to drink water. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value here, not just for people that have trainer in their title whatever role that they're in but a lot of us are in a role that requires us to help people through something whether we're coaching them through something um, maybe they've come to us for some guidance whatever the case may be but the ability to just be able to ask a question and let someone sit with it for a while is for some people really difficult. I know I, I used to just ask questions in a classroom and then I'd answer it. <laughs> I know. Just and answering my own questions. Constant. I mean, it is really tough. I think you have to come up with a strategy for yourself. You know, mine is to take the drink of water. And I also have this thing where I wait for approximately 75% of the people to either indicate with an icon that they're done or send in a chat message or write on the board. Approximately 75%. And I'm not doing this with thousands of people, okay? I'm doing this with like less than 20 in virtual training. Because if I'm presenting to thousands of people, the rules are different, okay? But in a training, I'm giving people more time. And, and it's amazing what can happen when you do that. And they appreciate it. I mean, how many times have you been in a meeting? What if you were just leading a meeting, which is a big deal, obviously. Um, you're the team lead, you're the manager, and you ask questions, and then you're you're the person attending the meeting, and all of a sudden you want to add, but then he goes on to the next thing, or she goes on and says something else, and you're like, but, 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 but. And so the next time you're not going to speak up because of that. You're just going to contact them after one-on-one, -on -one, or you're just worse, going to let it go. Right. And the person yeah. running the meeting is going to wonder, like, why didn't I give, why didn't anyone, why doesn't anyone respond to my meetings when I'm running them? Yeah, and you discourage, to your point, you discourage that future present or participation as well. So mm -hmm. by not giving people time, particularly those that maybe are less apt to speak up, maybe are a little more shy in general, if they aren't given enough time and then it happens enough, they just then just will disengage entirely and won't ever speak up. I know you're making me think too, like not only is it about time, but it's also about difference. And like, in what ways am I allowing people to respond differently? Like, um, I just got done with a client, we just wrapped up last week and, uh, it, and for them, it's disrespectful to speak up in the group. And so I could wait all night and they would wait all night too. <laughs> amazing so I'm like wait a second this isn't working so the time in that particular case wasn't me waiting it was time in a small group to work through things and present back time in independent activities where they could prepare and come back so sometimes it's about looking at it differently what am I saying or doing that you could be saying or doing it goes back to that mantra yeah I also love that you brought up um, and uh, there's only a small segment of people that experience this, but really understanding cultural differences. So if you work in 
uh, let's say a multinational organization or you're working often with people that uh, come from a different culture, it is really important to do some homework and understand how that may impact how you need to approach certain subjects. Yeah, and then also not to presume certain things too. And I'm just very, I try to come at it from a very uh, open place and just, you know, we're in this together. So tell me what's yeah. gonna work for you. I'm gonna try this, did it work? No, okay, let me try something else, you know, <laughs> take it personal yeah. uh, and, and really just be open to learning in each moment. I'm thankful for my global experiences as a result of that. And I'm 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 thankful for even in sometimes it's not even global. Sometimes it's just just the unique ways that we all come to the situations that we're in. I mean, this very conversation about being quiet and letting people read. I did have someone ask you, well, what if you've got somebody who can't see the slides? They're you know, they're blind. And I'm like, OK, well, that's something I need to know about before class starts, because a lot of what I do is visual in nature and I don't speak to it directly. So in that case. I'm going to work differently and I'm going to provide different solutions, but it's super important that I know who I have so I can be the best facilitator of learning for them. And, and I, and I think that that takes like some, I think we really have to get out of ourselves in those cases and just recognize that what we're presenting and what we're teaching isn't, isn't me. It's, it's for you and about you. And I have to be able to flex with what your needs may be. You know, right. Yeah. And I have to be able to ask that, too. And I have to ask it in respectful ways and I have to be humble in whatever way. And I've messed up a thousand times, by the way. So, <laughs> you know, that is the it's the life of a facilitator. You're going to mess up. It's just a matter of learning from it. Yeah. So yeah, being kind and respectful of people and hopefully yeah. they do the same for you. And when they don't allow that to go away, <laughs> <laughs> let that one roll off your back. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about some some of the training things that you have expertise in. But before we do that, I am fascinated that uh, you went to school and obviously started working at WebEx while you were in the Bay Area. But today you live in Rochester, New, New York. That seems like as far away <laughs> as you could possibly get. So. Tell me about that journey. Um, well, in, and in between San Francisco and upstate New York, I was in Canada, in Vancouver. Okay. So don't forget that little jaunt up and out of the uh-huh. country. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my uh, my stepfather was in the Air Force. And so I grew up moving around to, you know, he had different opportunities in his life. And so as much, I, sometimes I loved it, sometimes I hated it. I was a kid. Um, but it but it turned out that my life is a little like that, where I've just had different opportunities. And I, I ended up having an opportunity. So I, I'd been in, in college in San Francisco and living life in San Francisco. I loved it. I always say I spent my 20s in San Francisco. Uh, I got married to a Canadian and spent my 30s in Vancouver. And then I had an opportunity to work with Dale Carnegie. Uh, they were in 2011 launching their online business taking a hundred year old company strategy and process and saying, we have to do it live online. And I was part of the leadership team that created that, that business, that product and that whole strategy. And that's what got me to New York ultimately. I started off in New York city and then I ended up in Rochester with my current husband and co-author of my first book. Wow. That's an amazing journey. And yeah, (laughs) Rochester, I imagine is a little bit different than living in, in the city. That's, it's different. Um, it's different, though. I have to say, it's the best place I live. So, if anyone's listening to this and lives in Rochester, I love Rochester. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's got you know everything that you could need, and also I'm super close to New York City if I need that Broadway fix. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah and you're close to Niagara Falls, and can always hop over the border. Well, in the before <laughs> times, you could hop over the border. Today, yeah. I imagine that's a little more challenging. So, well, thanks for illuminating that. I find mm-hmm. um, where people have been to be fascinating. So we've talked a little bit about techniques, facilitation techniques, and how often when you are working with a new client, they want you to 
teach the tool, right? That's what they think is the problem. Um, and then you find that it really is more facilitation. But let's talk about the tools a little bit because when I started, uh, there weren't that many tools that were available. I got really familiar with Adobe Connect. That was the primary platform that I used for facilitation, but obviously you use tons of different tools. And I'm wondering what you've seen over, in particular, the last couple of years with the, the differences and the tools that are out there today. Yeah, you're right. I, the, I mean, the biggest difference has come in the last 18 plus months because of all the attention and focus and frankly, the need, yeah. you know, um, a product need um, drives the innovation actually, actually I think. Um, but, you know, yeah, it used to be in the beginning, in the way, way beginning, in the late 90s, I was terrified to turn on the webcam because I knew it would break it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, uh, on I your DSL. Remember. I can remember um, trying to like, I, it used to still shock me because I worked at WebEx first. Uh, and I, I feel so silly about this, but you know, in WebEx, you join with your computer and then you have the, you enter in your phone number and it would call you, right? And it, yeah. every single time I would jump when my phone rang, because I'd be like, but wait, I'm in an online meeting. Oh, that's, that's me doing that to me. <laughs> right. So there were those days, you know, of just, now that everyone's connected, don't touch anything so it won't break. Um, and I remember too, in those early days before I was at WebEx, there was a product that I used called Placeware. And uh, Placeware became Live Meeting by Microsoft, which mm -hmm. then got rolled into Skype and is now, you know, Teams. But way back in the beginning, there was this, because we weren't on webcam, there wasn't, you know, you can't do that. Um, there was a seating chart and the seating chart was just different colors. And that was supposed to mean people. And so I remember looking at this seating chart. They wanted me to teach 400 people how to use Excel. I'm like, I'm struggling teaching 12 people how to use Excel. <laughs> I don't know why you think 400. And it's like 97 when I did that. But then I had, there was only like seven different colors. And supposedly I was supposed to look at this color chart. And it was supposed to help me know that the people were there when I had, you know, 400 divided by, you know, just <laughs> under 100 reds and 100 blues. Right. <laughs> Meant nothing. But, you know, I mean, things are so different. The demand today for the for the services to work, uh, first off, to connect easily, and then second, to have more features, is just growing and growing. And I think this is why we're seeing an explosion of outside apps and do this, do that. And I think you and I were laughing about this. Like, you want it to be simple, but you want a lot of complex features. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the Which, more that you add in, the harder it will become. Simplicity is a wonderful thing. I'm I'm a huge fan of less is more. Um, I like options, though. I do like options, but generally speaking, less is more when it comes to actually being effective teaching something. Yeah. Yeah. The first time that you and I talked, you know, we talked about some of the differences in, in some of the platforms and you know, Adobe Connect being being one of those and how, you know, for me, having all of that content just kind of in there made things um, seem really easy, but then there was a lot of maneuvering back and forth. And, you know, we've talked about um, certainly the role of a producer, and if you don't have a producer, that can create some challenges. Um, within you know a, a something like teams or zoom that's not how that functions so what do you think the advantages or disadvantages of those different types of functionalities are yeah it's like i know what you're talking about i loved adobe connect when i worked at dale carnegie that's what we used because we could put together all the templates preloaded yeah. with all the content and then you know like magic i could just say go teach that class the slides the polls the breakouts everything is already there um, but then you had to teach everyone how to make everything there and you had to teach everyone how to use everything that was there. And then, of course, as soon as you teach someone something that you've already built, they want it different. Right. <laughs> and I'm a trainer, so I say that with love, uh -huh. you know, but 
It's that you have a whole another set of things. So yeah, just click a link and it's there, but now I have to make sure it stays there, that we put process in place for updating what's there, for teaching people to use what's there, for finding ways for them to be creative and free with what's there, you know? And then the flip side of the Zooms and the Teams is, okay, the world is wide open, do whatever you want. And then of course that's too confusing too. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, like I came up in the world of WebEx and so, WebEx is a slightly more like Zoom in that way, where it's a little more like Zoom than it is Adobe Connect in that I can't preload everything. So right. we would create a plan. like, I, And to this day, I still will have a folder that'll be like my virtual trainer certificate. Day one has a folder, day two, day three, day four, participant manual is separate. You know, I have all the pieces and I still have for session one or day one, the slides, the polls, the breakout materials are all in one little folder. Like you can just drill down into my yeah. organization, which is supreme. Uh, you know, I'm I'm real I'm real clear on that. And so then I have to teach people how to go to what they've created. And and then you have to get used to the this is where improv in theater comes up, being <laughs> ready to do that in the moment because it's not planned for you. Um, but then the flip side of that, well, it's, there's some obvious challenges with that, but the beautiful side of that for the creative piece is people can do what they need to do and they can make changes. And like, I had to just make sure changes were being made in alignment with brand and, you know, uh, appropriate levels, <laughs> things like that, you know? So you, you, you know, you really, you're just, which kind of apple do you want this fall? I love that. <laughs> you know, I saw on your website, you actually provide uh, a lot of tools, and I imagine these are things that fall in line to people who who take your course and earn your certificate. Um, but like the the checklist for, for right all of the different features and the tool that you are using, um, which is which is free on your website. I think that's a fantastic just even for someone that maybe just needs a little help in understanding. Uh, what features are available and yeah. when they can use them. So tell us more about what's available on that. Yeah, I've got lots of things to help people get started and also to get better. And one of them is you just don't even realize all these years I've been teaching people how to how to facilitate online. There's so many times it's come up. I didn't know it could do that. Right. I didn't know I had that choice. And so I came up with this idea, which will be in my next book too, this universal features checklist. Do you have a poll? Here's what a poll does. Do you have it? Look for it. Here's yeah. what annotation does. Look for it. Here's what a breakout is. Go look and see if you have it. So it's this idea that you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, you do. I know for me, you know, you get kind of into this is what I always do. So why would mm -hmm. I look for new stuff? You know, <laughs> but um, that's the idea behind the checklist to help you figure out what kind of things are available to me and what should I even be looking for in my platform? Yeah, I absolutely love that. And, you know, it was very recently in my organization that, you know, we were kind of reevaluating what we were using. And, you know, so we're recording this on Teams and it forced me through that process to really explore what Teams offered because, you know, we had migrated from Skype and then we had Teams and I knew what we use Teams for organizationally, but I didn't know what all was available. And <laughs> so it was, was like, okay, well, can I, oh, Teams has breakout rooms? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and so all of those little features and bits of functionality, which by the way, are always changing in, in these different yeah. platforms because they're always creating new stuff for the people that are using them. I think yeah. it really is great to know hey, what's out there. What can I use? And then for the people that maybe haven't gone through some type of formal process to understand, OK, when when would I use that? Because if I say breakout rooms, number Doesn't one, mean anything. It, yeah. that's why so, when I created that checklist, I went through and said, here's what I'm talking about. You know how cool it is when you can let people work together on a case study and then come back and present it? That's called breaking out into a small group. And in the technology, they call it a breakout. But yeah, I, they have to know why. Yeah. And otherwise, they don't care. I don't care that there's that thing. I don't know how to use that thing. I never heard of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm exactly like that. So. 
Yeah, it really is worth, um, certainly if you are involved in training in your organization, I think it's really worth on a, a regular basis, whether you're um, signed up to some type of newsletter for the provider of your technology, or you're just going in every three to six months and just checking it out, doing an audit, figuring out what's there, because those changes certainly as you mentioned, over the last 18 months, they've been really rapid. Uh, yes, they, they're changing dramatically. And you really like working and partnering with your IT uh, teams too, to make sure that they're aware of how much is changing. I'm sure they are, but they have different goals. And so finding um, a balance there, because I do work with a lot of organizations who aren't allowing people to update, but there have been, there are almost every other week, a new thing added in Zoom and in Teams, right? And yeah. so- there's new stuff because the, the the world is requiring better and bigger functionality. And so just keeping an eye out for it. And I'm not saying commit to all of it, but keep an eye out and watch. The best ones right. will come to the top anyway, and the others that don't work will, yeah. will go away. Yeah. So we hit on this a little bit earlier, but I am I am personally a big fan of virtual instruction. I love in-person as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of virtual for a variety of reasons. Can you talk to us about some of the things that just not from, a, oh, we had to do this, but have always been, or at least for the last few years, have been always just better in a virtual world when it comes to a virtual classroom or training? Oh, gosh, two immediately come to mind. Uh, the, the world that you work in. Yeah. Uh, I always talk about call center and contact center. They're on the phone communicating with people about things, <laughs> you know, yeah. products or problems. They're on the phone. Why are they in person and not on the phone? I mean, it is so right. brilliant to put them in the moment of how they work, mm -hmm. you know, and, and guide them through, um, you know, forget like, simulations you're literally doing it <laughs> yeah so yes. i mean you know within reason but that that's always just been the classic perfect one um and then the other one in working with sales training and salespeople who are always pressed for time and often on the road i love the idea that we can give mm. them what they need in the moments that they absolutely need it and they too are often on the phone and so, yeah. again, being able to practice such things. I had a really great sales training class where we were uh, practicing cold calling. And we had everybody on computer audio in the class. And we had a whiteboard uh, that was uh, formatted so people could write on it in their designated space. And we had each of them make an actual phone call using their phones while whiteboarding or annotating what was happening. And so I was just sitting there watching it fill up and we gave them the time they needed. They all come back and it, the energy was wonderful. And they were all like, here's what happened, look what happened to me, look what happened to me, you know? <laughs> and it all had been whiteboarded so I could read it while it was happening, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. So there's just two examples of, of where virtual uh, arguably is working better than being in person. Yeah, I, you know, the first one that you mentioned, I actually wrote a blog post on this, um, I don't know, a, a little over a year ago and the, it was focused on this part in training and contact centers that uh, has a lot of different names. We might call it side-by-sides or wijacking or um, nesting. There's a lot of different terms, but it's when I'm sitting with someone as, as someone who's learning how to do the job and I'm sitting next to them and I'm listening to their live phone call so that I can see how things happen in real time and listen to that conversation in real time. Mm -hmm. And the crux of, of the whole blog post was that doing this virtually is a hundred times better than doing it in person. And the laundry list was this long. Like I remember <laughs> when I was early on in my training career in contact centers, you know, you'd go out and I worked for a really large um, outsourcer and so you'd take, you know, your class of like 20 people out to the contact center floor. Um, so number one, it, there's a lot of time involved in just like finding partners. And then you're also trying to find partners. You're like, okay, well, 
that person is really good on the phone. I want to use them. But that person is a hot mess. I know that. And I don't want to sit anyone with them. So, right, I have to keep track of who who I want to use and who I don't want to use. And then you're dealing with, like, crazy stuff that you wouldn't ever think about. But when you put people in close quarters like that, Sometimes you're dealing with HR related stuff, like someone doesn't have a great smell today and now someone's complaining, or I set you with this person and five minutes later they just go to lunch and they don't tell you what to do. And so you're just sitting there like, what what do I do now? I need to read this blog post. You need to send that to me. But that's so interesting. And then the physical, you know, like the like if somebody doesn't get chosen and you you see yourself not getting chosen to get a partner. Right. It's just yeah. awful. And, that, and all of these disparate experiences too, right? So then we'd come back into the classroom after usually it was a couple of hours and then you'd talk through, but everyone had a completely different experience, different call types. And so we had to kind of work through and It takes a lot of time to debrief when you've got, let's say, 20 people who have all listened to, you know, maybe seven or eight different phone calls and they were all different. And now I'm dealing with 150 different experiences that we're trying to debrief. Like, that's crazy. I mean, 20 people, even if you just gave them each two minutes, which it was never just two minutes. Right. That's just basic math of 40 minutes, <laughs> you know? yeah. but it was never that I can imagine that's the whole rest of the day plus the next day. Yeah. And then, yeah. And you had, uh, it's just like a lot of loss of control where virtually, so you've run these exact same training online as well. Yeah. You can do it online and actually, you know, you can just pick one person, like just that one person they're sharing their screen you're listening into the audio and then you can debrief too as a group and we all just had the same experience that's amazing it was a whole lot more clear and then the the clarity of the learning in that moment too like and you could get specific examples because like every time you went to a new call it'd be a different call anyway um yeah that's amazing i i anything like that's the cool thing about virtual like there's 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 things that are challenging with it because up front you have to make sure people have the right equipment and they have the right connection mm-hmm. and the right environment yeah and that can be really challenging to make happen for everybody but once you have that anything that they're doing at their desk when they're not with you you can pretty much redo and you know like i used to teach excel in person a thousand years ago and i would arrive <laughs> nice and early And all the Excel tables and toolbars all looked exactly the same and the desktop Mm -hmm. was exactly the same. And so in some ways it was a disservice. It was a service to me because I didn't have to fix your toolbar missing. But it was in some ways a disservice because when they go back and then their Excel looks completely different on their own computer, now they haven't really learned what they need to learn. They don't know what to do. Right. So even though there's some things that are more challenging, I do think ultimately you're getting people to be able to, to do what they need to do in a more effective way. It's just that we have to spend time as facilitators making sure people have what they need and that we're building the skills to be able to authentically connect and build relationships through an internet connection. Instead of saying, I can't connect because I can't see you, figuring out, wow, I have an opportunity to connect with you in a way that's going to be a whole lot more valuable for you in the long run. And I'm going to learn how to do that. Yeah. So as companies, and it seems to be in fits and starts, but a lot of companies are now coming back to the office, some in a in a hybrid capacity. What are your thoughts on training or having any type of facilitated session with people who are in an office and in a, a classroom or a boardroom or a conference room combined with people who are attending this virtually well i am you know now that we're finally all paying attention to online and we are no longer saying that doesn't matter and doesn't work (laughs) as soon as you have one person online and as soon as you care about including them and making it an equal learning experience for them everything's online yeah i mean what are you going to do in person 
I mean, are you going to do, are you going to choose to do something in person that would then leave somebody online out? We used to do that. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be acceptable today. And you have to look at how am I going to bring it together to make it equal for everybody now? Everyone has the same learning experience because everyone needs to have the same outcome, right? How, how will I do that? And right now in our world, if one person's online, then we all need to make everything accessible online. And um, it takes some, some setup. I, it just recently, Zoomtopia was hosted a couple of weeks ago, and there was a webinar this week on how did we do it? And um, if anyone can search that or find that, I highly recommend you watch it because you will get an idea of the technical setup by the thousands of people that <laughs> made that happen. <laughs> it's amazing. And what yeah. I'm getting at is if you have people in person, we need to be able to hear, we need to all be able to do the things. And it takes a whole lot of technical setup, lighting, angles, equipment, all sorts of things when it might just be easier to send them back to their desk and get on the team's call. <laughs> yeah. Having uh, tried that once, <laughs> once, uh, I can tell you that it's really, really difficult. And after that experience, I was like, no more. If anyone is virtual, then you're all virtual. Even if you're physically um, in the office, it's like, okay, but you get your computer and you join like you're not because that's right. how we're going to do it. Right. And it made a huge difference then because then I wasn't having to deal with two different scenarios and trying to think about how how I accomplish, for instance, an activity and make it work for people who are joining virtually and make it work for people who don't have a computer in front of them. Right. It's just not, it's either on the computer or it's not. I mean, what you could do, you know, is everyone's on the computer for the class. And then when you do the small group work, the people that are in person are going to be in the small groups in person doing stuff. Sure. And the people online are in the small groups online. But you know, they that's the one place where they could go ahead and be in person, but it doesn't in any way have to be that way. And I, I just think we need to pay attention to what it's going to take to include everyone, because in the past we were just leaving people out. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely no good and certainly not good for mm -hmm. their learning experience. Right. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. I also am wondering about so you've come in contact with all of these different organizations and certainly not all contact centers, right? Occasionally, maybe it's a contact center, but I imagine there are all these different organizations. And a lot of them over the last 18 months have been playing around with virtual now, right? Dipping their toes in, maybe just jumping headlong in, but they're still maybe not as successful as they wanna be. What are some of the, I would say, common mistakes and maybe some of the low-hanging fruit out there for organizations that um, want to improve what they're doing from a virtual training aspect today? The biggest thing that I see is really paying attention to the technology that you're asking people to use or that you're providing to people. Um, case in point, a client that I'm working with right now they are on a certain platform and it works internally, but it doesn't work externally. And mm -hmm. they um, are not allowed to, to work outside of a VPN. And so when we try to use another platform, uh, they come in via their VPN and that makes that platform not work very well. So none of this has anything to do with the learning yet. And it has everything to do with, we're not, I'm not, I don't have the ice skates to learn how to skate. The technology is the low hanging fruit. And it's not as simple as saying, we got you Zoom, we got you Teams, we got you Adobe Connect, go use it. You, you have to look at like, what's the environment that we all work in? And is everybody able to easily connect without it taking over the whole experience? And then once we can easily connect, is it then working? And do I have options more than just sharing my screen and talking? Because mm -hmm. People in learning and development get a lot of flack for being, you know, head talking heads and, and lecturing too much. And sometimes it's the technology that's driving that. Well, the chat's been disabled. I'm not allowed to use it. Why? Secure. Why? 
you know, there's things that we need to look at a little differently and put the technology in place so it's actually working for everyone. And I think it's time for L&D to really partner with IT more instead of IT saying this is what you're using or L&D going, we're using whatever we feel like, you know, (laughs) it's it's like connecting and really trying to understand what are the security needs and are those still relevant for our environment today? Are they really? And what is this technology creating as an experience? Because it is still the thing that I see is most in the way. Like the biggest but every time I'm working with it, but we use name it. Well, that doesn't have that. I know. So what do I do? You get a new tool. <laughs> it's easy for me to say. I mean, I recognize that. But I just really think it's time for us, all of us and companies to really look at the tech. And just because it came free with your built-in systems doesn't mean that people are able to use it effectively. Right. And and the thing about virtual is that people won't take it. They'll just log off or they'll just say it wasn't working. Where, you know, in the past, you flew me there, I had to go. And if it didn't work, you know, I was flown there, I had to show up. <laughs> yeah. But I don't do anymore. I can say, eh, it didn't work for me and my computer. Yeah, I think there is definitely a, um, a bigger need for lots of groups, lots of stakeholders, but the trainers to work with IT so that IT understands those challenges, right? The needs, IT. right? Yeah. yeah. And I you think- know, I, I realized your question was low-hanging fruit. Maybe this was not low-hanging fruit. That was like all the way at the top. <laughs> you know what? Low-hanging fruit. Guys, no more music hold. Open your class early. Invite people to come early and start having normal conversations about how they're doing. That is a low-hanging fruit. Like, open the lines and ask them to come off mute and ask them a question about what they did over the weekend and start to be a real person again in the same way that you would be when you were in the office. That's low-hanging fruit. (laughs) I love that. And uh, too often uh, you will see this, uh, particularly in webinars, right, which is a different type of learning environment, right? But I, I join and there's no chat. There's just maybe a static screen that says, who's speaking and what Sit they're down, talking. Sit down, be quiet. We'll begin right. in five minutes. No, no. How are you, Rob? Thanks for joining. Where are you joining from? What do you love most about learning how to manage stress? You know, like yeah. Ask a question relevant to what you're teaching, but start to get to know people because you're, it's just a, it's a disengager to be like, oh, great. Not allowed to see the attendees, not allowed to chat, going to start in five. It's it's not, I don't know, people don't have to take that anymore. They'll just be asking for a copy of the recording. Yeah, I think no matter what, that personal connection, mm-hmm. even if it's a, a one-time event or it's, hey, we're going to be here for the next two weeks kind of training, regardless, getting that personal connection changes the attendees' perspective on everything. And they're more willing to stay engaged they're more willing to learn and they're going to get so much more out of it. But that's mm-hmm. incumbent on you as the facilitator to create that environment from the very beginning. So I love it that. Is. It's like become one with the chat. Just look at the chat like it's spoken word. And you don't when you're at a party, you don't hear every single thing that people say. But you pick up on certain things and you you call it out and you look at it as a conversation. We, we call it a chat versation. You know, yeah. use the chat when people chat, go, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. You don't have to reread it. Mm-hmm. Rob wrote that sometimes it's hard to manage stress. Just be like, yeah, Rob, you're right. It's hard to manage stress sometimes. You know, like respond to the chat as if it was spoken word and and get a monitor where you can make the chat big and no more excuses on chat distracts me. No, you know what? Distracting you not paying attention to your audience, the one that you're hired to work for. <laughs> you know? I don't know if this is a tip, but become one with the chat should be a tip. <laughs> it feels kind of Yoda-esque, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. So uh, I think that is the perfect stopping point for us today. Like become one with the chat. Absolutely love <laughs> yeah. it. Young Padawan. <laughs> oh, I heart you so much right now. So. <laughs> Cassie, 
it's been fantastic having you on today to talk about these things. Certainly, uh, if anyone wants to check out your website and the things that you have to offer, where can they go to see that? Thank you. It's been really fun to talk with you again today, too. Just thank you for having me. And you can check out more about what I'm doing, me and the virtual training heroes at CassieConsulting.com. And also you can find me on LinkedIn at Cassie Labori. Yeah, and you will see those great tips and you will see Virtual Viv, and mm -hmm. all the rest of the superheroes. And I hear there are some enemies out there as well. Yeah, there are some yeah. pretty wicked enemies and they'll be making an appearance again. I'm actually putting all of those tips into one ebook that will be available for download on my website soon too. So stay mm -hmm. tuned for the virtual trainer's guide to becoming a hero all in one place. I love it. I will absolutely look for it. I hope that I get to have you on the podcast again. Thank you so much for joining and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.